Let us pray. O oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. I don't know about you, but Les Mis by Victor Hugo is my favorite musical. And I know I'm not alone. Ryan Webb from our church is also a huge fan because he actually created an awesome Bible study based on Les Mis. I know he's not here right now because he's teaching Sunday school with Julie, but Ryan, later on when you're watching, I want you to know that people are going to be knocking down your door for your lamest Bible study service after today. And you guys can just tell him that I sent you and he'll give you a discount. <laughs> In lamest, from the opening scene, we're introduced to the protagonist Jean Valjean, a former thief whose future seems bleak. Perhaps the most beautiful and powerful scene in his encounter in scene is his encounter with the priest. The priest shows great kindness to Valjean by giving him shelter after his release from 19 years in prison, but Valjean steals from him. He flees, is captured, and returned to the church. Rather than allowing him to be jailed again, the priest assures his captors that no theft has occurred. The items in Valjean's possession were a gift. The simple act of forgiveness empowers Valjean to turn his life around. He devotes his life from this point on to that of honesty, generosity, and integrity. The famous and often quoted line at the end of the show is, to love another person is to see the face of God. To love another person is to see the face of God. When was the last time you saw God's face? What did God look like? As I was thinking about our passage today, I was reminded of this line, to love another person is to see the face of God. Our passage of sheep and goats today is about seeing Jesus, seeing the face of Jesus in the least expected places and people, in those who are hungry, thirsty, in the stranger, in those who are naked, sick, and imprisoned, people who have been written off by the society as the nuisance of the world. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus looks like. When I told a friend I was preaching on the sheep and the goats passage, he said, just don't tell them that they're the goat. Well, guess what? I'm going to do what he told me not to do. You are the goat and the sheep and the least of these. The truth of the matter is, aren't we all of those things? Don't we have both the sheep and the goat inside of us? Aren't we both the recipients of the gospel and the witness to it? Were we not the least of these in the eyes of God when Jesus came to us? 
There's a story about the two wolves that live inside of us, and it goes like this. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. The question is, which one are you feeding? The goat or the sheep? Which identity would you like to live into? When we acknowledge that we are both the sheep and the goat, we can humbly choose to follow our call and live a life that resembles a sheep and our shepherd every single day. New Testament scholar Judy Stack Nelson helps us understand that Matthew points out repeatedly that good fruit comes from good trees. John the Baptist warns of trees that fail to bear good fruit, Matthew chapter 3. Good trees, Jesus explains, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can bad trees bear good fruit, Matthew 7. John and Jesus alike warn that the bad trees will be cast into the fire. Trees are known by their fruit, Matthew chapter 12. Likewise, good soil produces good fruit, Matthew chapter 13. Judgment simply brings out a reality that has been present all along. Because you see, sheep didn't turn into sheep when they got to Jesus' right side, and goats didn't turn into goats when they got to Jesus' left side. They were already sheep and goats to start out with. What they did sprang out of who they were. Although this passage may sound like it's promoting works over faith, what it's really emphasizing is who you are deep inside. What the goat says is, if we knew the right thing, if we knew what to do, if we knew that you were Jesus, the hungry, the, the thirsty, the sick, and the imprisoned, then we would have done it. We would have helped you. But what the sheep is saying, we're asking is, what are, what are we called to do? How am I to live as a child of God? One has to do with behavior, and other has to do with identity. Goats are concerned with doing the right things, whereas sheep are concerned with being the child of God, called and loved by God. This is discipleship, following in Jesus' footsteps. 
And when you look at Jesus' ministry, it's clear that Jesus starts out in the synagogue after he returns from the desert and he moves out to eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors and those who are in the margins of the society until Jesus himself is despised and scorned and in the outermost margins of the society himself as he hangs on the cross with two thieves by his side. If that's the blueprint for Jesus' ministry, then true discipleship for us should take us from the church, out into the community and into the margins of society as well, just like Jesus. And mission itself becomes redefined when we consider the move outwards as a move towards God. What kind of people do we want to become? What kind of church do we want to become? Martin Luther once said that the Christian life is not about arriving, but always becoming. And St. Augustine at the Lord's Supper would invite people to receive who you are and go become what you have received. John Buchanan, a former pastor at Fourth Press in Chicago, has this to say about this passage. The important thing about this subject, however, is not social, political, economic, or religious. It is personal. God wants not only a new world modeled on the values of Jesus, God wants us, each of us. God is not a social engineer, but a God of love who wants to save our souls. God wants to save our souls and redeem us and give us the gift of life, true, deep, authentic life. God wants to save us by touching our hearts with love. God wants to save us by persuading us to care and see other human beings who need us. God wants to save us from obsessing about ourselves and worry about others. That is God's favorite project, to teach you and me the fundamental lesson, the secret, the truth, that to love is to live, that to love is to live, that to love is to inherit the kingdom of God, that to love is to see the face of God. Friends, there is no path to love. Love is the path. Let us be on the journey of becoming, becoming people we were created to be who have wholehearted, whole-souled commitments to loving our neighbors, the least of these. Commitment to love God's creation and every person in it. Brene Brown says, love is not something we give or get, it is something that we nurture and grow. Loving the least of these, loving another person is a practice we do every day as we catch glimpses of God's face everywhere we go. You see, in the words of Jürgen Moltmann, the famous German theologian, we're not loved because we're so beautiful and good. We are beautiful and good because we are loved. We are beautiful and good because we are loved. I'd like to end with the prayer found in Ephesians 1, 
I hope you can close your eyes and let the words just wash over you. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.